Hello, and welcome to the Passion on Purpose Leaders on Center Stage podcast. I am Steph, and I'm the owner and creative director of Vim. Vim's mission is to showcase the enthusiasm and passion of business leaders nationwide. I cannot wait to have you listen to the show and stick around. At the end, we talk a little bit about how you can be my next guest. All right, guys, we are back with another episode. I am so excited to have Josh Rosenberg with the mark, the very good marketing consultants. If that's not clarity in a name, I don't know what else is um, with us on the show today. I am so excited to chat with you, Josh, and dive into kind of some of the passion that you have for clearly marketing and consulting uh, and le- learn a little bit more about you. I think I'm just going to throw it to you and just have you kick us off by introducing yourself and kind of what got you into this and uh, tell us a little more about very good marketing consultants. Sure. So uh, I don't know how far back you want me to go, but um, out of college, I really liked working for some different tech startups. In California, they have the Silicon Valley. In New York, we have something similar called Silicon Alley, which is basically what it sounds like. Um, and it was cool for a few years, but there's no stability there. And companies could go out of business overnight. And I realized that that's not a way to kind of pay your bills. So somebody told me once, if you want to make money, you go where the money is. And after I did some research, found that the profession with the highest percentage of millionaires in the world is commercial real estate. So that's what I pursued. And I'm in the office from 7 a.m. till midnight, six days a week. And after 18 months without a single vacation or weekend or anything, I closed a huge deal. And the firm told me that they were taking my commission that I had worked 15 and a half months for. And they were giving it to some other broker down the hall because three years prior, they had paid him a few million dollars to come over to us from a competitor. And he just sort of sat on his butt twiddling his thumbs that whole time. So they didn't want to sound bad to corporate. So they just took all my money. And I said, Absolutely never again. I'm done. Like the, the corporate lifestyle was not for me. So, wow. so yeah, it, it was rough. It was a little bit more than that. And the way that I left, I'm pretty sure they had to tighten security measures there. Um, but that's a serve another time. So somebody introduced me to the online business world and what information products were. And I, I never heard, I'd seen these before, you know, learn how to, trade stocks effectively, learn how to, you know, get in shape for the summer, all of that. Uh, anything that somebody could want to learn how to do, there is a business behind that. Mm-hmm. And so I got into that and I just sort of was at the right place at the right time, met the right people and started a company that focused on adult education, grew it. Uh, I have no idea how, cause I really, I didn't know my ass from my elbow at that point. Um, but I grew it to the fifth <laughs> to the uh, largest of its kind in the country five years in a row. Um, and I focused entirely on marketing. I realized that without sales and without marketing, you don't have a business. You have no revenue coming in. So that seems like the single most important part to, to generate revenue. So that's what I focused on um, day and night. That's all I did. I read every book, studied every one of like the marketing greats out there. Uh, and Several years later, I was able to sell my business off to an investor. Well, just like a lot of other industries, at some point you realize it's a very small world and all the owners of all the different businesses sort of know each other. People, you know, get to know each other. 
And I had had a number of requests to, to be the copywriter and marketer for a bunch of other businesses. So for a few years, that's what I did. I freelanced and I was, you know, having a great time with it. Um, about a hundred million dollars in revenue later across for companies across 24 or so different verticals. I got to the point where it really, I realized that the thing that I had above a lot of other people was my strategy, my knowledge of how just different industries work, um, being able to take a big step back and look at the big picture of marketing and come up with the direction and the planning um, going forward, putting together six to 18 month plans, uh, following through with product launches and executions of this and that. And um, so I transitioned yet again from copywriter marketer to I now work as a fractional chief marketing officer for a lot of online businesses, not just information products, but also SaaS companies and health supplement brands. Um, usually I find that until you get to around the $20 million a year in revenue uh, amount, most businesses don't have the need for a full-time in-house CMO. So that's kind of where I come in because I can provide the same level of service, but at a much more affordable cost. Yeah, absolutely. I love that model. I love the fractional CFO, CMO, CBO model. I love that we are at that stage. And whether it existed or not before, I just feel like um, in the last five years, especially with the world changing so virtually after COVID or during COVID, um, I think those fractional models are becoming way more accepted. Do you agree with kind of feeling that? Oh, absolutely. And a fractional CFO has sort of always been around because, yeah. you know, that that's one of those positions where it's not really going to be 40, 50 hours for most people until you're a very large company. So that has always been there. But now because of COVID and people working from home and just the way businesses are done, you know, not everybody is a Disney or an Amazon. They're not that big. Most businesses are not, so they don't have the the need or a lot of times the resources for somebody at that level in-house full-time. Um, and it really seems like the fractional CXO, I guess you would call it, because it could be, yeah. you know, filling whatever letter there. It seems like that industry is going to be how most businesses do business in the future. Right, right, yeah. I love that model. Um, so why like out of all the things you could do, like where does the passion come from to, you know, I, I get how your career kind of led you here, but why marketing? Why not, you know, finance or why not all these other aspects of business that you could support companies with? Why specifically marketing and consulting? So despite how my last name sounds, I am terrible with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, marketing, it's, 50% uh, following formulas and just keeping everything sort of organized that way and 50% being creative and thinking differently than everyone else. So it's very uh, artistic in a lot of ways. And that was always just kind of how my brain worked. So, so do, you it just, do you consider yourself a creative then? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I was young, I wanted to be an artist. I went to college and I got a um, major in graphic design and a minor in film. Uh, that's what I kind of saw myself doing when I got out of school. I realized there's no gra graphic design jobs available. 
uh, the ones that are there are kind of reserved for the best artists out of the best art schools, which was certainly not me. Um, and even if you did get one of those jobs, there was no money behind it. You know, it's, I ended up getting to be friendly with a number of people that were graphic designers and video editors and, and whatnot. And they have four five, six roommates in the mid thirties. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to pay the bills. And if you go without a paycheck for, um, you know, a couple of weeks, you can kind of be up a creek without a paddle. On the other hand, marketing allowed me the sort of artistic outlet that I was looking for. And there's always a way that if you do a good job, the money comes in. So right. it can be much more lucrative. So that safety net there and that uh, real, realistically, the ability to just grow without a ceiling was very appealing. Yeah, yeah. So this is a challenge I sometimes put my one-to-one -one clients um, to. And lately on the show, I've done it a couple times. But like, I will often say, okay, let's say you're a pizza company. Well, pizza is banned, right? The world has banned pizza. We can no longer make pizza, eat pizza, think about pizza, wear pizza, <laughs> no more pizza. So your, your why has to change if it's around pizza, right? Like for you, if, if your why is because I love marketing and consulting or creative, but that's taken away. Like what other purpose do you get fulfillment from doing what you do? I know that's a hard question. <laughs> no, it, it's a little obscure, but I've got a couple of answers for you. Number one, the marketer in me says, okay, we can't do pizza, but we can pivot. And so we're gonna start selling grilled cheese sandwiches with tomato soup because it's essentially just pizza. It's all the same ingredients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to take people's, you know, there's always going to be a want and a need for pizza. People are going to, there's going to be a demand. There's probably going to be some underground market for it. So unless we want to, you know, possibly start working in illegal activities, we can pivot <laughs> by satisfying people's itch with grilled cheese and tomato soup. Love essentially it. giving them pizza. The why is that I think you were getting for is, um, you know, part of it is I only want to work with companies that I believe in their mission and their ethics and what they are doing specifically to help the world. I have um, owner, partial ownership in a music education company that uh, also runs a charity called the David Z Foundation, which is there to help uh, underprivileged kids that go to public school that would have nowhere to go after school provide them with music education taught by real famous, like legit rock stars where mm -hmm. they'll get to go on stage and perform music videos. And we've gotten some kids uh, scholarships to really good music conservatories. Right, I've worked with a number of um, animal rescue adoption charities, um, places that do stem cell research to help patients that are in chronic pain, have some relief from whatever their ailments are. Um, you know, so I want to be able to work with businesses that I can really get behind the cause. And in the world of marketing, you learn that it, you kind of have this power. And if you can convince somebody that they need your product or service better than your competitor can, you can kind of own that market. And if you're selling something that is scammy or that's not legitimate or that is not ethical or doesn't legitimately make somebody's life better, then I don't want to be involved with that. Mm -hmm. 
I have a colleague that worked to help um, loosen the laws for pipeline drilling, for fracking across uh, Native American territory. And he did it for the money. Mm. And I would absolutely, in a million years, never get involved. And he's really good at marketing. He's very convincing. He was able to sell this. Uh, the contracts were massive. And he walked out of there with, I think, a 17 or $18 million payday. And that's all he cared about. And I could not sell my soul for that. Yeah. Yeah. So ethical and almost philanthropic kind of things fuel you, right? You, you, you really vet for that when you char uh, decide to work with clients, it seems like, right? Do you have a process for that? Or is that more like how intentional is that with your business? Um, so when I'm talking to somebody, I kind of have a no asshole rule. And I can, you know, get a, a decent feeling for who that person is and kind of what they're offering really quickly. And yeah. last year when the whole crypto NFT market was all anybody would talk about, I had a lot of requests to work with people to sell their programs and their services about crypto and NFT investing and trading. And I turned down pretty much all of them. One or two I said yes to because I saw what they were doing and I said, okay, that aligns more with my values. Um, but when people said, Hey, we're going to get these influencers, they're going to hype up this coin. We're going to get, raise all of this capital and then we're going to cash out. So absolutely not go talk to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you kind of, it's, it's in that heart center of yours. Like you kind of naturally know, like you said, the no asshole rule. Um, and then also you're just kind of feeling out, do the, does this individual and their intentions align with my core values? Sure. And then a lot of times there's a lot of gray zone because you're going to have two kinds of business owners. Um, the one who's married to their business, somebody that really has something that they want to give to the world and they're very connected to it. And then somebody else that acts more like an investor where it's a business. Business is a business. It's there to generate money. It's a profit center. And when I'm dealing with either kind, I kind of have to be a little bit more strategic. The person that's usually married to their business is usually terrible at operations. And they need a lot more hand-holding. They don't know when to let certain things go. It's very, it's a lot of babysitting, which is fine. Um, the person that's much more, almost like they got an MBA, their CEO investor type, they're looking for the fastest, easiest, least expensive way to go to market and increase lifetime value. So to them, the heart center part of it is not really the big issue. That's reserved for people that work under them. So if somebody is selling, let's just say, um, diet and weight loss supplements, mm -hmm. are they just white labeling some generic formula that anybody else can and wanting to market up? Are they going out there and sourcing really top quality ingredients, stuff that can really help people? Are they using stuff, you know, do they want me to advertise in a way that says that this works universally for all people in this demographic, but not mention that, oh, you need to talk to your doctor first because it could interfere with your other medication. Like what is going on behind the scenes if they're, you know, if they seem more of like the investor type, can I make a, a, a conclusion that this is gonna be more on the ethical side or they just want, they don't really care about the ethics and they just want to make money fast. 
Well, since you like you naturally right for your own business, you naturally lead with that purposeful passion, right? That somebody has to have passion and it has to be with a purpose. Can't just be a slimy scheme, right? That's what I'm picking up. Yeah. How do you, because what I see the greats, the great businesses that are thriving right now, what I see them doing is they are leading their branding and their marketing with that passion very purposefully. So how have you done that with the very good marketing consultants? How do people recognize that you're not just another marketing agency that's willing to, you know, market anything? Like how does somebody come and know the difference between you and anyone else? One, it's my 16 year track record, the portfolio of giant wins that I've gotten businesses, the, how open I am with opening my Rolodex and letting somebody speak to any of my clients. So they can do that, their due diligence on their own. I don't want to sit there and just put some copy and some pretty looking graphics on a website and hope that that resonates and people come to that conclusion based on that. Yes, that works too. But more than that, I want to be transparent. Right, right, right. So transparency is probably one of your core values. Absolutely. Um, I worked with a client about two years ago who was in the CBD space. And at the time, this was the single most competitive market there was. Um, everybody and their mother was starting a CBD brand. And it was really difficult to advertise. Facebook, YouTube, every other big ad network was not allowing CBD ads. So you had to get really creative for how we pursued that. And their branding basically didn't exist. So I'm getting to know the owner. And he was a veteran who was discharged uh, due to PTSD. And mm -hmm. he told me that people with PTSD, they hate that term because the civilians think about it as you're broken. And he explained, he said, my five-year-old daughter kicks me in the shins or I step on a grenade and I blow my leg off. Technically they're both leg injuries, but they're at the very far other end of the spectrum. Right. People don't realize that that's what PTSD is. There is a huge, huge, huge spectrum. And one of the problems that he had was um, controlling his stress. It was preventing him from sleeping and he was starting to snap at his wife and his kids and it was affecting his, his family life. And he knew that if he went to the, the veterans hospital, they would give him um, medication he'd be on for life that had really nasty side effects and it wouldn't make anything better and he'd become an addict. So he tried to do everything more holistically he realized that CBD was the one thing that he could help him to get a good night's sleep and sort of balance his stress with none of the side effects. So that was his reason for wanting to start this brand. And I said, I think that's our, our, our branding and our marketing right there. It's made by veterans for everyday heroes. Anybody mm -hmm. that, that really has a stressful, you know, lifestyle, firefighter, EMT, police officer, veteran who active duty, um, soldier, whoever, because we can relate to that audience and that right there is going to tell our whole story. So that ended up giving us a really cool approach. And during the research, because his bestseller were these little sleep gummies, I was doing a whole lot of research. I found this story about how in the sixties and early seventies, the U S army did these experiments where they're trying to create super soldiers. Think of like captain America. So they're given soldiers, all kinds of drugs, steroids, um, they were experimenting with um, PCP and meth and all kinds of other things that they wouldn't do now. And while they were having some good short-term effects, they had really nasty long-term effects. 
Well, the one thing that they found that actually helped both short-term and long-term and that was the best option and healthiest was getting a really good solid night's sleep. Mm. So they developed all these different techniques. And um, from what I'm told, soldiers go to special training to learn how to fall asleep very quickly in really hostile environments. But we took that story and we tied that into our sleep gummies. And now he was able to stand out in this uh, marketplace and his customers are insanely loyal. They send him more unsolicited testimonials and talk about his brand on social media than you would believe. So that was, yeah, yeah, that's, that was one of the, um, the projects that I was kind of most proud of because of who we were able to help. Yeah, I love that. I love how you tied like that at times it's like where does this all coincide but it all has the central hub of really truly helping helping right right i love that so, so if we if he didn't have that background he was just another business owner who wanted to start a cbd brand yes we can talk about the health benefits of right. you know any of it and yes we would give it a really pretty logo and cool branding and all that but it wouldn't be the same right absolutely Right. Well, and it wouldn't be authentic and it wouldn't have the depth of, of truth behind it. Right. There would be right. the lack of real factor. And with the way that social media has infiltrated our marketing, right, we see real, whether we want to see it or not every single day. And so the expectation of real and authentic is already there. And people are really good. Consumers are really good at sniffing out the fake. Like, oh, really yeah. Fake. Oh, absolutely. People are real. There's just something about when somebody tells you a real story, the way they describe it, the details they go into, it's not something you can just make up. Yeah. And so it comes across as real. And I remember when YouTube viral videos and stuff first started becoming a thing about 15 years ago, Pizza Hut wanted to do a big campaign. They go to this huge uh, ad agency called J. Walter Thompson, which is one of the largest in the world, their own by WPP that owns every major ad agency there is. Um, but they wanted to do this campaign. There was going to be, I think, five commercials that were meant to look like the, uh, it was about a family, a wealthy family, and they were going to have a camcorder um, that was going to be held by the brother. And the whole idea was daughter's 16th birthday, dad surprised her with like a Ferrari or Corvette or something, and she's furious that it's the wrong color. And it's going to be several videos of them being a horrible family, but they come together for Pizza Hut Pizza at the end, something like that. And mm -hmm. the first, they spent a ton of money producing this. They hired huge product, uh, film production companies to make it look like it was uh, it wasn't staged, to make it look real. Yeah. And the first video got such negative response and such hatred and heat from people who knew it was bullshit right away that they never aired the other four and they were out millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, cuz we're it's we're very good at sniffing out the fakes. Just like we're, you know, you can typically get a sense of like, oh, is good acting versus bad acting, right? right. Um that's where the, good acting you don't even realize how good they are. So, and that and that's kind of the key, right? And that's where if you're just authentic and real with who you are, your brand and you feed that throughout your marketing and people feel that and see that without having to even spend time with you, like that's the power that this passion for and the, the purpose behind like the example you gave with the CBD company. 
that's the power in it is that we can lead with that and people feel it from the get-go so yeah in a million years i would not have come up with all of that that whole concept and that idea just out of the top of my head right and the way that we were speaking to the uh, the customers i was taking the stories directly word for word from other veterans who were dealing with these issues they were not my stories and it there's i if i was me writing it i would have done it a totally different way and that really would not have been effective yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah gosh i love that i love how you've you know been able to work with so many great companies it sounds like you have a good niche of finding passionate companies to work with and work with you um, I, if any of my listeners are, are, you know, perk their, perk their interest and they want to talk with you or learn more about how to work with very good marketing consultants, what's the natural next step? Sure. So, uh, go to the website, verygoodmarketingconsultants.com. Um, my wheelhouse that I work mostly with, not hundred percent, but most businesses are online based businesses. So this are information products, SaaS companies, uh, health supplements, those are kind of the three that I've worked, done the most work in. And oddly enough, I've worked with a lot of law firms, which okay. kind of came out of left field. But um, yeah, at the bottom of that page, there you'll see a time where you can schedule a 15 minute call with me to see if we're a good match. And what I always like to tell people is, um, you know, if you have the kind of business that I specialize in, we get on that call, even if we don't work together, um, I want to be able to find some asset that you're not really utilizing and provide you with at least $10,000 worth of advice so that you can take what happened on that call and go out and make money for yourself right away. Um, but again, if you're in you know, industrial manufacturing, food processing, I don't know anything about those kinds of worlds. So uh, I just, I won't be able to help you much. I want to be upfront about that. Perfect. Yeah, no, I love it. I love the transparency and honesty. And I love that you want to be able to provide that instant value, even on that discovery call. That's a huge, huge win. So I'll make sure that in the show notes that we have um, very good marketing consultants uh, website linked for you guys who are listening. And Josh, thank you so much again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much, Steph. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. All right, guys, until next time. Steph here. Thank you so much for listening to the Passion on Purpose Leaders on Center Stage podcast. If you are a successful business owner and you lead your business with passion, we'd love to feature you on our show. We'd love to share with the world what makes your business great and how you have intentionally led passion throughout your business. Also, if you got any value or little tidbits from this episode, please take a minute to screenshot the episode and share it on your favorite social media platform. Be sure to tag us so we can properly thank you and we love deepening our connection with our listeners. We are regularly putting out new episodes to feature leaders such as yourself who lead with passion on purpose. So be sure to subscribe to our show so you don't miss any future episodes. For more episodes, guest information, or details on the show, please visit getvim.com forward slash passion on purpose. That's getvim.com forward slash passion on purpose. Once again, I'm Steph. I am the owner and creative director at Vim. And thank you for listening to the show.